boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking greyhounds. Here's Simone Fisher. Good morning to you on this first Saturday in February. It's been another busy week in racing and today I'll be joined by Wentworth Park's Ron Arnold to talk about the derby and the futurity tonight and also Noel McMahon who's a very passionate greyhound enthusiast and he'll be chatting about how he's been providing support to new adoptive parents of greyhounds. What's making news around the kennels? One of the biggest stories this week would have to be that of the untimely passing of Gap's Greyhound Ambassador Dave. He was an icon at the Seymour Kennels and featured in many photo shoots, often with a cat curled up on his bed. So it does go without saying that all of us in the Greyhound community who have ever lost a dog know exactly how they're all feeling there at the Seymour Kennels at the moment. The finals of the, of the Futurity and National Derby are on tonight at Wentworth Park. A Victorian trainer, Jeff Britton, dominated the heats last week, getting three through to the Futurity. He also has a starter in the Derby along with David Gill and we'll get all the mail shortly with Ron Arnold. Four heats of the Cranbourne Cup will be run tonight with the final next Saturday. It's probably a little disappointing for the club to only have four heats, but they would be happy with the quality. Greyhounds such as Poke the Bear, Neo Cleo and Orson Allen will be hoping to make their way through to the $47,000 final next week and it will conclude the Gippsland Carnival. Ballarat are hosting a Footy Fanatics dinner show on February the 16th with three magpies, Dane Swan, Steel Sidebottom and Dane Beams live on stage. On the track, the Lil Dicky Oaks and $20,000 Western Districts Derby will be run. The tickets are $95 or $125 for the VIP package. Info is on the website. The invites for the three Group 1s at the Meadows are out, which will also be run on February the 16th. 50 chasers have been invited across the Temley, Rookie Rebel and Zoom Top, with acceptances closing in early February. More info can be found on the website for that also. And February the 16th is proving to be a very popular date with the Tasmanian Greyhound Awards and Launceston Cup dinner to be held on the same night. Unfortunately, I'll miss the Victorian action, but I'll be heading south to host the Tasmanian Awards that night. So really looking forward to it. And finally, the Victorian Coursing Awards were held last Thursday night with the Noel Banks Medal awarded to Gary Robinson, who has been a long-serving member of the Longwood Coursing Club over 20 years. Gary typifies the volunteer aspect of the club along with many others who have revived this much-needed element of our sport. Racing, major innings, poorly away and tap out. Bill began well. Fernando Blaster in our way in a hurry and showed a great turn of speed and exploded to the top. Put up five going to the back. Double what working to second and then tap out Bill followed by Corborne Maddox. Major innings and then Punk Band and Disassociative at the tail. It is Fernando Blaster in one race. The others are in another. They're lining up for the miners. It's all Fernando Blaster. What a performance. That is arrogant. Uh, Fernando Blaster by 15 lengths. And joining Call me on the phone now on Talking Greyhounds is Wentworth Park's Ron Arnold. And Ron, I know you've got bragging rights for the Paws of Thunder with the $8 winner, Buck Fever, but um, you'll be, be forgiven for not tipping an $8 winner tonight in the Derby final. <laughs> Yeah, so it's one of those things. We've all tipped those winners from now and then. It's very nice to get them up occasionally, but uh, I won't upset the Victorians and tip the Sydney Swans to win the AFL flag, so I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll let them all argue about something else in that department. 
But tonight, I don't think there'll be any arguments in anyone putting Fernando Blaster on top in their selections for the derby. Uh, an absolutely outstanding run last week. It was just one of those runs that no one expected, I think, Ron. No, look, you, you look at the form and obviously, you know, leading into last week, he'd won nine out of 20. So, you know, obviously basically all but a 50% win record. So he's got plenty of toe, but... You know, over time, and you know, unfortunately, I suppose, or fortunately, I've seen a lot of races go around that circuit, and that's as, in the words of Tim Newbold, as arrogant as you would ever want to see. And um, you know, coming then up with box number one, you've just got to sort of scratch your head and go, well, goodness gracious, if he can run twenty nine six again. And you know, I've got a massive opinion of this of number two, Rio Brave. Um, they're certainly, you know, very unlucky through his heat performance, and he's drawn to perform, and obviously the trainer. David Geel has had you know a fabulous 12 months, particularly at Wentworth Park. And but you know the bottom line is Box One is a gold mine in, in greyhound racing when you do everything right. And what I saw the other night, Fernando is going to sit up there with it and do what his father did back in 2015 and take out a national derby. It does look that way. The interesting thing about this greyhound, he's had 21 starts now, and he's only just turned two years of age. So he's had quite a ca- hard campaign. Um, I guess in a in a short period of time, and you look at some of the other greyhounds that were whelped around the same time and have only had maybe seven or ten starts. And the other interesting thing, Ron, he hadn't had a look at the Wentworth Park track. No, that's certainly right, and and, and that's another thing if you take a, a line through that and the fact that he is sitting up in sort of box one for a final, um, you would have to think he's going to derive some advantage out of that. And yeah, look, it's it's a big thing to the to the connections, and you know, in the in the world of greyhounds, they're they're relatively new names. The trainer, you know, Terry Jordan, and the owner Merv Papworth. Um, you know, one cap, chap from the owner comes from Sydney, and the other's obviously up in Queensland. So, um, you know, it's it's nice to see some new people come along and uh, enjoy the spoils of something special. It sure is, and like you mentioned, the Greyhound Rio Brave. He had a trial there a couple of starts ago in twenty nine sixty one. He's certainly a Greyhound. He will be probably the one to beat, you would think, and drawn near the rails where he wants to be. Yeah, certainly. Again, he's another one with a fifty percent win record, basically, and. You know, again, David just performed his greyhounds magnificently. You know, over the last, uh, you know, well, couple of years in particular, but the last 12 months has been sensational for him. And you know, this is just a greyhound that's probably drawn the right box at the right time. And uh, you would have to imagine the winners, the winner, will come out of either box one or two on this particular occasion. Then you've got number three, Fantastic Yankee, ran third in the Silver Chief, and. Uh, he was another terrific run. He was run down by Axel Footloose, another Victorian um, in the field here tonight, Ron. And um, it, the general consensus looks like it's Greyhounds 1, 2 and 3 across the line. Yeah, it was quite amazing. Back in the pause of thunder, I thought that, you know, the three chances in the betting were 6, 7 and 8. They're all drawn alongside one another and it's happened here again on the reverse side of the track. And it's hard when, when the three of them are all jammed up and they're all there. The, the one on the outside normally gets buffeted or, or pushed a bit deep. But again, fantastic Yankee. You know, might just enjoy a bit of a sit. And you would imagine that you know, certainly amongst the place getters, these three all uh, will fill the majority of those spots. You would think so. A couple of the others there, um, perhaps not drawn so well and lacking a little bit of experience. Greyhounds like Feral Frankie, drawn box six. Um, he's only had seven starts, so he might be up against it. Yeah, and most definitely. And another dog that went huge um, out of box eight the other night was North. Showed enormous speed. And again, as you mentioned, it's one of the least ex- inex- the least experienced dogs in the race. It's only had seven starts now for five wins. So the form 
speaks for itself. And again, even though it's sitting up in box number four, you know it's a, a genuinely high-quality dog for the future. And that's what this race is. Of course, it's a, an age classic. It's one of the time-honoured age classics in the whole nation. And uh, you normally take this field tonight and look at them in 12 months' time. And, you know, they've won a lot of metropolitan races plus a lot of feature races between them. You can guarantee that. And Jodie Lord, we must mention she's got Corburn Maddox and number eight Famous Lee in the final. Um, it's race seven on the program, Ron, uh, the Derby. But you do have another feature. Let's take a listen to the wheat, uh, the heat of flossing. Away. Flossing began cleanly. Furious not fast. Away in a hurry. Nangar Diva showing up. Land per between runners and then found trouble and fell. They're working to the back and flossing got away. Led by five over Furious, not fast. Followed up by Boxcar, Bella, All Night Fever, and then Nengar Diva. Ombre Rose and Bland Purr is coming back up the home straight. They're going to have to get this Greyhound. Oh, they come around the corner. Flossing still in front. Led by four over Furious, not fast. Flossing got the money. Flossing first has beaten Boxcar, Bella, Furious, not fast. And of course, fast. we're talking about heats now of the Futurity, the final, of course, tonight as well, Ron. Um, a bit of a, a race that. Could have been disastrous, but wasn't. But flossing um, for Jeff Britton, who's managed to get three through to the final, a terrific run from her. Yes, yeah, certainly was. Yes, it was one of those races for a, a split second. Uh, you could see disaster, but you know, Mother Nature waved a wand and the fallen greyhound just happened to move at the right time, fortunately. And uh, look, well, obviously three heats last Saturday night, uh, Simone and, and Jeff Britton collected all three of them. So you know, obviously he sits up there with the, the gun winners and, the two best dogs probably are Circle of Dreams and Oakdale Magic. Yes. But I'm also actually just leaning to flossing because the early pace at Wendy, if you just can be drawn out wide and you can cross, probably not 100% the strongest in the field. But, you know, in these big races, sometimes there's a bit of trouble at that bend and you can pinch it. And again, I, I think it's one of those that's sort of probably the $6 mark. You're entitled to throw something each way, flossing for sure. No doubt uh, Circle of Dreams and Eight Vale Magic are probably the dangers. Eight Vale Magic probably didn't surprise me with the 29.69 performance, but when you look at the, the win ratio, um, it's a greyhound that had been beaten its previous five starts. So whether it was just one of those nights when it stepped clean and it went quickly from box number three, it may not get that luck. Um, where Circle of Dreams is a, a genuine high-class greyhound for the future. Now, obviously, box number one the other night from the heat was a big bonus for it. So sitting up in the four is not all that comfortable. So, But I think it's the, the serious danger. And I'm just going to throw in Flossing on top for the purpose of the fact a bit of value in the race in front of Circle and Dreams and also drawn out wide in a very uh, solid field is damn slippery in box eight. And again, it, I think it's one for the future most definitely. There's another couple of good runs out of this. Sorry, Scott, who ran second to Circle of Dreams. It was a, a terrific run from that chaser. Um, like you mentioned, Oakvale Magic, an experienced chaser who did show some pace. Circle of Dreams, she was a recent Laurels winner at Sandown. She won by over eight lengths, and she does seem to be a greyhound that has got some ability that um, we will see quite a lot of. But there's a lot of pace in this race too, Ron. Um, can you see that being a problem? Well, that's, I think that's where, the, the, you know, in these big races, when you do reach that first bend and there is a bit of a jam, obviously, you know, probably half the field gets put out of play. And, and I just think Flossing might have enough early pace to be up there with them. And uh, coming off the camper there at Wendy, since that new work was done late last year, they do get a good fly. And, uh, you know, you've only got to lose a length and a half, at, you know, in these sort of races when they're running sort of, you know, your 29 eights or nines up front 
pretty hard to come from behind and beat them. And as I say, I think Jeff's probably got the race in his keeping. It's just a matter between his three greyhounds who steps the best and who takes the best luck coming out of the first turn. Oh, but as I say, just for the sake of a, a bit of value, I'm going to throw on uh, throw flossing on top and. Uh, See if the new floss dance can be successful. <laughs> well, you might be doing that flossing dance if she gets up and wins, Ron. Well, I'm not going to promise anything. <laughs> uh, no, well, well, we might have to keep you um, keep you to that. I might have a word with a few of the, the people down there at Wentworth Park. But um, it would be extraordinary to think that a few starts ago she was winning a, a mixed sixth and seventh grade at the Meadows and if she was to come out and win a group one. But she's been very consistent. And, and sometimes in these races, all you need is that early pace because we know that first corner at Wentworth Park can sometimes cause a little bit of trouble and um, particularly when you've got some inexperienced chasers in the field. So you just never know. It could well be a very good value bet. Yeah, exactly right. And look, that's exactly right. They're, they're, uh, it's an age classic, you know, like the Derby. They're all relatively inexperienced and certainly inexperienced at this level. You know, they may have won their maiden and they may have won a few nice little fifth grades and they've just jumped and got out cleanly. But all of a sudden, in a race like this, within the first bend, there's only, you know, a length and a half between five or six runners. And that can make it completely different for greyhounds that aren't quite uh, focused to that sort of thing. And again, but coming from the Britain kennel, all the greyhounds will be 100% on target for the night. They sure will. Looking forward to it, Ron. Thanks again for your time. So the Futurity is at 8.48 tonight and the Derby at 9.28. So um, looking forward to it. We'll be watching the action and listening to Tim Newbold's calls and uh, all the best in getting your value bet up again. All right, Simone. Thanks. Talk to you in down the track. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. And my next guest on Talking Greyhounds is Noel McMahon. And Noel is a very passionate owner of greyhounds. He has been an owner on many different levels, but he's a big advocate for the rehoming and um, helping these greyhounds settle in. Good morning, Noel. Good morning, Simone. Great to have you on the show. Now, you've got the unenviable task of running a Facebook group with 6,000 people. It's called the Friends of Greyhound Adoption Programs. It's been going for about seven and a half years now. Can you just briefly tell us why you started this group up? Yeah, I just thought that there was a, 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 a gap in, um, not wanting to use the word gap, but there was a, there was a space in, space in the, the adoption area with greyhounds and it needed to be filled. Sort of a niche is probably a better word. And so uh, I saw that there was a need for a support network, uh, something that runs 24-7. People can get on there, ask questions, tap into the experience of, of other people with a lot of new owners coming on board. Um, they have a lot of questions. They have um, things that happen to the dogs that happen in the middle of the night, late at night, early in the morning, all sorts of things. So having access to people 24-7 was really important. Can you tell us who the main demographics of this group are? Yeah, um, the stats show that it's predominantly women. Um, 70% of the people in the group are, seven, uh, are women between the age probably 30 to 55. Um, obviously, they have male partners, but the women can be the ones interacting <laughs> with the actual group. Um, but uh, the professions that the people are involved in, there's, uh, there's racing trainers, there's owners, there's vets, vet nurses, long-time pet owners who have had greyhounds going way back before adoption programs even existed. Um, new owners have just recently picked them up at adoption days or whatever. Uh, potential owners, the tire kickers, looking around to see what's going on. <laughs> Lots of foster carers as well. And um, just people who want to come on and look at pretty dogs. There's lots of people just go on there and have a look at the lovely dogs every day. 
They sure do, and I must admit that I love seeing the photos and reading the small achievements of people's, um, you know, greyhounds that may have been a little bit worried about something when they first adopted it, but all of a sudden they're out chasing a ball in the backyard and um, things that I take for granted and perhaps you too, Noel, um, knowing the breed so well. And we do have to remember that there are people out there that have, have never had a greyhound before and things can be quite overwhelming for dog and person. Yeah, the other day I had a, I put a post up and it was, there is no such thing as a, as a stupid question. And today is ask the question that you've been sort of sitting there harbouring and wanted to ask and just, just, just get it out there because we, we're just there to help people. That's what it's about. It's all about that too and it's about breaking down barriers, raising awareness, all these types of phrases that we hear time after time but also dispelling some of the myths about greyhounds in a training in racing environment and um, I know there's people on the group that aren't particularly fond of racing and that's perfectly fine but um, everyone's allowed to have an opinion and have just healthy discussion about things but what I love seeing Noel and reading is the people that actually go out to the track or go to a trainers and think oh my goodness I can't believe how these dogs are treated. Yeah there is a really big educational role in this group now. I mean, I've sort of discovered that people, there is a myth, there's a lot of uh, things cloaked that they just don't understand. So to get trainers on there, to get race owners on there, to reunite adoption dogs with their previous trainers and break down those barriers and they start to realise that these are just people who are very, very passionate about dogs with a lot of experience and the new owners are really, really uh, tapping into this. It's a very inclusive group. I think another word you've mentioned before is a very organic group, which um, is perfect for this because you're getting experience from people on the front line, people who have been involved. You're getting decades of experience um, rather than just someone with a say a PhD in dog behaviour that um, sits on a computer, you're actually getting the grassroots and the nuts and bolts of a greyhound and its life and how people can help. Yeah, th this group grew from, from basically one, I have to add my dog on as, a, as a, an account to start the group and it's just grown now from that having me and my dog on there to 6,000 people. <laughs> so it is very, very organic um, and yeah, people tapping into to real, genuine experience, not theoretical stuff, not something that some academic in a university has written a paper on. This is very practical, hands-on. People have been through this a lot of times and they can uh, give this experience over and it saves the new owners going through a lot of torment. That's right. What are the most common questions that you feel are raised on the group, Noel? <laughs> what should I feed my dog? That's one of them. Right. I mean, because... Uh, it's really, there are simple questions that, well, for people who have had dogs, they seem like simple questions. Yes. But it's just, it does get down to as simply as what do I feed my dog? They they take the dog home, the dog might fret for a while, it starts to lose a little bit of weight, so they're saying, oh, how do I put weight back on my dog? I think that's probably one of the, the questions. Separation anxiety, if they've got a dog that's a little bit timid or it's come from an environment where it hasn't been as well socialised as others and it's been brought into a, what I call planet pet. Yes. where a dog just gets lifted out of a kennel situation or a fostering situation and arrives in a domestic house and it goes, oh my God, I've never lived in this world before. And, and the dog sort of gets very, very confused. And if you've got a new owner and a confused dog, it's sort of, um, it, it's not a recipe for a disaster, but it causes stress. Um, the, you know, the, so separation, separation anxiety is one. Um, should I get another dog? I've got two. Should I get three? <laughs> <laughs> how do I convince my landlord, all these sorts of things, very, very practical things, or 
how do I convince my partner we need a second time? Oh, you Lots just questions like that. You just go and get one, and um, they're not going to make you take it back, surely. But um, <laughs> Noel, apart from those common questions, there's some very common issues that I see. They frustrate me. Dogs escaping and dogs off leash, and um, we know that it's a big no-no. And as a trainer, the rules and regulations we have about keeping our racing dogs and pups. Um, and once they get out into the pet world, there's no guidelines and no regulations because they're not part of Greyhound Racing Victoria anymore. And, you know, us trainers, we can't afford to have greyhounds running around the street and it's so frustrating seeing them getting out with gates not secure or people leaving doors open, jumping fences, um, all this type of thing. Yeah, and it's one of my pet peeves, both of those things you've mentioned are uh, escaping greyhounds. I mean, I always talk about there's accidents that were totally unavoidable and that, that, that will happen, but most of the escapes are avoidable, you know. Um, so you know, I'm always banging on about securing your dog, check your fences, check your gates, teach your children, teach your visitors how to get the dog to respect the space around the door, all those sorts of things. So th that's a really, really one of our pet peeves, for sure. And the dogs off leash, that's another massive one. People just underestimate the power of a couch potato um, day in, day out. Yeah, I mean, that's another one that we stress in this group. I mean, ad nauseum. Yeah, we, we're always saying to people, you know, you don't understand that you say you've got a very, very slow, gentle dog, but lurking inside that greyhound is a greyhound. And at any time when it decides to turn from a couch potato into a greyhound, you've suddenly got a 75-kilometre-an-hour furry missile, and... Um, you've got to be able to deal with that. So having them off lead is just a major no-no from the perspective of our group. Yeah, it's um, just not necessary once they've retired. Um, they may have had an injury even that um, is the reason why they're retired and letting them run and run off lead and perhaps with other dogs is probably not always in their best interest. Um, look, Noel, it's been wonderful having you on the show. I think we could have this conversation for another half an hour. I'd love to have you back another time. But I think, we've, be great. I think we've touched on a few, a few things. But um, anyone that's looking to get some advice or join the group, it is the FOGAP, Friends of Greyhound Adoption Programs. And um, you might have an influx of members now. What is it, about 150 a, a week or a month you're getting? Uh, this month we're at 192 for the last 28 days. So it is growing and, and that's as I said, it's organic. It's, it's, it's growing because it's growing. So yeah, everyone come along. Um, we'll, we'll welcome them with open arms. Yeah, we'd love to have more people on there and let's learn things the right way, give the right advice and um, it'll always make things better for our pet greyhounds. Thanks for joining us, Noel. My pleasure. It's the expert pick, Simone's Run of the Week. And I don't think I'll have any arguments in using Fernando Blaster as my run of the week. Um, his win in the heat of the derby was absolutely outstanding up at Wentworth Park last Saturday night. Last week's dog to follow, Aston Vanquish, found the lead at Ballarat on Wednesday night and led all the way to win in 25 and 36. My dog to follow this week is Typhoon Tessie, who's now had two starts for two wins, winning her maiden in 27-22-07 at Shepparton on Thursday night. She trimmed her heat win by about six lengths. So a terrific run there for Typhoon Tessie and certainly a greyhound to follow. My best bet is race seven, number seven at Cranbourne tonight in a heat of the cup. Blue Striker had a top run behind Orson Allen last start at Sandown. He's a good beginner and I think he's a chance if he crosses and he is strong. 
And plenty coming up again as always. We have heats of the Cranbourne Cup tonight, the finals of the Futurity and the Derby and the Australian Cup Series is not far away at the Meadows. Thank you for your company and like we always say here on Talking Greyhounds, you keep those tails wagging.